Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. I bet on FanDuel as often and as comfortably as I possibly can. It is America's number one sports book. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts in as quick as two hours. So many bet types. Same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures, and so much more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. Another episode, Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Got a good show for you today. Sergio Mora, former junior middleweight champion, my broadcast partner over at DAZN. He joins me. We are both in Manchester, New Hampshire for the Demetrius Andrade, Jason Quigley middleweight title fight. We talk about Canelo Alvarez, some news there. Terrence Crawford, big fight for him against Sean Porter this weekend. And Andrade, three years into his middleweight championship reign, is he ever going to get a significant fight? A little bit later on, Bud Crawford himself, he joins the show. We talk about his preparation for the Crawford fight, his feelings on fighting a guy who he's pretty close friends with, and what is his future beyond this Porter fight? Is there going to be one with top rank? Might he go over to the PBC? I asked Terrence Crawford about that and much more. As always, best way to support this podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating, it's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right. Are you ready? I am prepared. You're, you're not. Like, we've been in Manchester for like three hours, and all you've done is complain. Well, there's a lot to complain about here in Manchester, New Hampshire. First of all, everything ends by 8 p.m. There's no Latinos. Then there's no fun around here you have individually increased the diversity by 17 percent. i have i've made this place cooler and more colorful I definitely have done that but you've also been griping hungry belly aching <laughs> all this i mean 
I hate the cold, Mannix. I hate the cold. It's like 65 degrees out there. I hate the cold. Okay. All right. We are in Manchester, the site of Demetrius Andrade's middleweight title defense against Jason Quigley. We're going to talk about that fight, but can we address off the top, Andrade He punked you. He went at me in the fighter meeting. He punked you. Demetrius Andrade punked his number one fanboy, Chris Mannix, at the fighter meeting and straight let him have him. He was ripping you apart. I would have stopped the fight if, if you were a referee. If I don't I get a, it. If I was a referee, I would have stopped the fight. Why is he ripping me apart? I don't know. Maybe he's angry. He's angry that after Jaime Munguia won last week, I didn't push for Munguia versus Andrade. When the reality is, Sergio, I've done that like a dozen times. Like in the ring with Jaime Munguia, I have asked him about Demetrius Andrade. I don't do it one time, and all of a sudden, Demetrius Andrade turns on me. Like, what is that? Hey, listen, he's disloyalty. You're used to that. You're I'm accustomed not used to, to disloyalty. You're I'm accustomed very loyal to not person. being loyal to anybody. But I love the fact. I think everyone in that room loved the fact that he was tearing you to shreds. It doesn't make any sense, though. I have been his strongest advocate. There is nobody out there calling for Demetrius Andrade to be in big fights more than I am. Moreover, there is nobody out there that spends as much time around him outside of fights. I've been to Miami where he's trained. I've been to Providence several times. I've written about him extensively. Nobody else in the national media is paying more attention to Demetrius Andrade. He shows up at the fighter meeting and slaps me around. I wish you would have had this passion when he was punked, I was you. mystified. Dude, I you're, was yelling at, you're yelling at me. You're, this is the way you should have spoke to Andre. But I instead, was you tucked tail. You I tucked tail. Okay. And you I did not didn't know tail. how to react because Andrew was I didn't chewing know how to you react. apart. He was slapping you around. I thought he was kidding at first, but he wasn't. No, he had a chip on his shoulder. He, had and he a, let you have it. You love that chip on his shoulder. I love it. Everyone to that there, too. everyone there, everyone there loved him slapping you around. All right. We're going to talk about Demetrius Andre. He fights Jason Tuck tail and run. Okay. I did not tuck tail and run. Friday on DAZN. But first, Sergio... The big news outside the ring this week, Canelo Alvarez has set his sights on another opponent, and it's not a champion at 160. It's not a contender at 168. It's not a title holder at 175. It is Junior Makabu, the 100, or I I was going to put 200 pound, the cruiserweight champion uh, of the WBC. So he fights it right around 190 pounds now, which I guess is the new WBC rule. Canelo wants to move up and fight for a cruiserweight title, which, if he wins, will give him a championship in a fifth weight class. What was your reaction to Canelo's uh, big announcement? Well, I had to look up who this... How do you say his name? Makabu. Makabu. Uh, I had to look up his, his name, his resume, and then I realized that he, you know, he picked up a strap. He, um, Canelo's chasing history. So you got to give him credit for that. He's chasing history. He already became the first Mexican super middleweight champion uh, to do that in in history. So now he wants to become the first Mexican five division world champion. I mean, you had you've had guys like Jorge Arce and and Morales, uh, Morales, Ar- yeah. yeah, yeah. So all the know, greats. You've had great champions do it in four divisions, but to be the first in five, that's special. So this is just something that he's chasing. Greatness. He's chasing a record. It's not going to be a fan-friendly fight. I'm, I'm sure people, you know, are still going to flock to it because it's Canelo. But it does nothing for the average boxing fan, and I doubt that it'll do big numbers. But history-wise, when you look back at this and and you look at Canelo and everything he did for all the haters that he has, for all the people that say that he'll never amount to Chavez, 
I mean, you look at the resume, you look at the record, you, you see what he did from winning titles from 147 all the way to 200 or 190, whatever it is. Yep. Come on, man. You're not going to be able to doubt that for 10, 15, 20 years from now. When you look back in hindsight, Canelo is going to be the greatest uh, Mexican fighter, and then you're going to say one of the greatest ever, period. So I don't like this fight for a few reasons. I respect Canelo for wanting to do this. Say what you want about Makabu, but he can crack. And you're talking about a fighter that is topped out at 175 just once, going up to 190-ish and fighting a cruiserweight with real power. That's that. So I respect Canelo for doing that. But here's why I don't like it. One, cruiserweight's not sexy. <laughs> like, Roy Jones going from light heavyweight to heavyweight, that was sexy. Like, becoming the heavyweight champion was something. Cruiserweight is basically a way station of, of weight classes. It is a pit stop for a lot of fighters on their way to heavyweight. Alexander Usyk popped in, won four titles, left, became the heavyweight champion. I think you'd agree. A much better deal that Usyk is the unified heavyweight champion than he was as undisputed cruiserweight champion. That's number one. Number two, he's fighting a real fighter with real power, but he's not fighting the best at one at a at cruiserweight. The best at cruiserweight right now is Morris Breedis. Morris Breedis is the guy that won the World Boxing Super Series, who is, as we speak, the number one cruiserweight in the world. I'd probably like it a little bit more if he was challenging Morris Breedis. This to me feels like how Canelo challenged Kovalev for that light heavyweight title. Kovalev was the biggest name at light heavyweight, but nobody would say Kovalev was the biggest or the biggest star or the, he was the big star the best fighter i should say at light heavyweight so i don't love the choice of opponents going up to cruiserweight it feels like he's selecting this guy uh, for a very specific reason most importantly though we kind of saw this song play out back in 2003 sergio because roy jones moved up to heavyweight beat Ron, uh, john ruiz pinnacle moment of his career becoming heavyweight champion but then he had to go back down, and that wasn't good for him. Now, I've heard the argument that Roy Jones was past his prime anyway, that Antonio Tarver was going to catch up to him no matter what. Uh, Tarver did two fights later, stopping Roy Jones. But Roy has often said that the weight cut hurt him. So Canelo going from 168 in this last fight to, let's say, 185, 186 to go up and fight Makabu. Coming back down, which he's going to do. He's not going to stay at cruiserweight. Coming back down, I, I got to feel that would cost him. So you're a fighter. Like, what do you think of that? Do you believe there's truth to the argument that cutting that much weight, coming back down, will be a problem? First of all, before you started this whole harangue, is that the word? No, it's not the word. <laughs> you said the word sexy, and yes. it just doesn't sound right coming out of your mouth. But okay. yeah, you're right. It's not appealing. Yes. It's not appealing to go all the way up and fight a... a, a a, a nobody that nobody really knows just to pick up a belt and take a calculated risk to become a fight division world champion. But history doesn't remember that. History just remembers what you put on paper. Did you or did you not move up all the way to cruiserweight to pick up a strap? Yes, you did. Did Roy Jones Jr. beat a heavyweight? Did he start his career at middleweight and beat a heavyweight? Yes, he did. Did he go back down, get knocked out, and then everything else? Yeah, if you really want to look at the The Ruiz win was the beginning of the end, basically. I get it, but there's there's risk in moving up in weight, especially when you're skipping weight divisions, especially when you're going all the way to the 200-plus level. There's a lot of risk there. The slight, the slight 
change in risk here is the fact that cruiserweight, I think they're going to want to fight at 190. That makes a big difference. The 10 pounds is going to make a huge difference for a fighter like Canelo. Sure. Five foot eight. He can't carry 200 pounds. I would think that Canelo Macabu's would come not in, huge either, though. He's six foot. Canelo fought several he, guys that are he's bigger not, than him. He's not tall, but he, he's, he's sturdy. He's yes. kind of really thick. Yeah. When I watched him fight, uh, he reminds me of Adonis Stevenson, a huge punching light heavyweight who was a southpaw. They have a similar record as well, 28 wins, three losses around there, similar knockout ratio, uh, big left hand, only Stevenson was a lot faster and I think better. Uh, this is just a calculated risk to pick up another division. There is risk anytime you move up, but he already proved that he could go up to light heavyweight and come back down to 168. Can he do that with a heavyweight going up to the 190 and coming back down to super middleweight or light heavyweight? I don't know. I think he's young enough to do it. He's sturdy enough to do it. And the main thing is he believes he can do it. So we ultimately don't matter. Yeah. And Canelo's earned the right to do whatever he wants. All the people out there saying Canelo doesn't face the best, and Demetrius Andrade is one of them, um, go to bed. Like, that, that's, that's just not real. Uh, Canelo has cleaned out the super middleweight division in 11 months. Uh, David Benavidez is out there, but let's not act like David Benavidez is this world beater that Canelo right. is avoiding, right? David Benavidez uh, has not faced any top opponents as a super middleweight. So let, that's Durrell. a fight that can happen. You got to give Durrell his due, especially I mean, coming after a okay. big win. But he's okay. Former big, champion. Uh, for, you're right. Former champion. That's probably his best win. Right, right, yeah. No question. Um, Canelo can do whatever he wants. But I still think there are more interesting fights for him in that 168-pound weight class. Beginning with Gennady Golovkin. This isn't about interesting. This isn't about sexy. This is about history. That's all it is. He wants to move up to become the first to ever win a championship in five divisions. It's just to check that name off the box and put your names in the mix of a of a who uh, Thomas Hearns. Right. He was, I think, one of the first ones to do five he divisions. The, one of I forget if he was the only one or one of a handful to go one fifty four to one seventy five. Yes, first, that's what I'm saying. First, because because did, Sugar Ray Leonard did it, but he kind of no, did 47. it. Forty seven. Hearns went to forty seven to seventy five. Yeah, but Sugar Ray Leonard did it, but he did it in a kind of cheating fashion because he won the he super middleweight, super down, middleweight, right? yeah. and a light heavyweight at the same time. And, and Long, Donnie Long came down in that fight. Yeah, but he won two divisions in one fight. That's not. How you're right. supposed yeah, to do it. Exactly so right. this will be doing it the legitimate way. The, and that's how you make history. And when you look back in hindsight, you're, you're just saying, how the hell did this Mexican, this great Mexican, this five foot eight, went go all the way to cruiserweight at 200 pounds and win a title? That's okay, all you're going to remember. Let me run this by you, though. I'm all for making history like that. I think it's great. But what if Canelo waited until, say, June of 2022? And what if Alexander Usyk winds up beating Get Anthony Joshua Usyk again. out of your head. Usyk. Usyk will be a nightmare for Canelo. Okay. Usyk is everything you don't want to, to face Canelo. He has the faster feet. He's the bigger fighter. He's going to punch harder. He's going to be faster. He has the technique. He has the fight IQ. He has the amateur background. What the hell do you want? Canelo's bound to get beat by somebody. You're just putting, you're just adding He's way too much. Been beat. You're, you're already adding too much to, to the list of qualifications that you need to fight Canelo. Usyk is just way beyond that. This, this guy is like Lomachenko in a heavyweight division. No, Stay, Canelo stays away from Usyk. There would have to be a catchweight for a fight like No, that, that doesn't make sense. That would be stupidity. Ask any matchmaker. That will be career suicide for Canelo to fight a Usyk. So you don't think he could win? No. Okay. But I think he doesn't win. I think he looks bad. I think it's a bad step. It, everything that's negative 
That's what Canelo's yeah, going to find out there. Isn't that chasing history? Isn't it'll be Mikey for the or- unified heavyweight championship? It'll be Mikey Ortiz getting routed by Errol Spence. That's exactly what Mikey that Garcia. fight would look Mikey like. Garcia. I'm sorry, Mikey yes. Garcia. Get uh, just shellacked. That's the word that you used. I do. What's that other one that you use? That sounds like a... That I say Todd Grisham should say that word? I don't know. <laughs> it's unclear. Uh, look, maybe he gets beat, but that would be cool, man. Like Canelo Alvarez going for the heavyweight championship against maybe the only fighter he could come close to competing against. Usyk, just a year removed or year plus removed from being the cruiserweight champion of the world. Like, I get it. He'd be a big underdog. But that would be chasing history. Much more history than fighting Makabu for a belt nobody cares about. Like, that's... He would be a five-division champion, but, like, eh, what's... I'll use this word again. What's sexier? Being the heavyweight champion or being the cruiserweight champion? Slobber knocker. That uh, was the word. Slobber knocker, that's the word. Good, uh, good that you're answering a question from five minutes ago. <laughs> um, listen, the, to become the heavyweight champion, that's still the, 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 the best... Uh, what do they call it? The, the best award in sports to be the heavyweight champion. There's the only world. been one Mexican heavyweight champion. That was Andy Ruiz. No, and he but did it's it for still a the highest, and a half. the highest prize in. I in agree. Sports. I'm, I'm agreeing. The with you highest there. prize in boxing to this day in sport. I'm, I'm sorry, in sports is still being the heavyweight champion of the world. This yes. is something where it's Muhammad Ali, it's Jack Johnson, it's legacy. Joe Lewis and Canelo Alvarez. I mean, of course, I've hey, you think history. if you think if Canelo if Canelo handles Macabu without, you know, getting hit a lot and looking bad, you think in his head. He's not going to go, I could go to heavyweight. I could face Usyk. I promise you, I promise you, somewhere in Team Canelo's camp with Eddie Reynoso, who said Canelo fights well against heavyweights. Frank Sanchez, Andy Ruiz, the guys are in that camp. Canelo looks good against him. Somewhere in the back of, of Eddie Reynoso's brain, he is thinking Canelo could be heavyweight champion. Man, listen, I can't comprehend that kind of thinking, that kind of greatness. No one can, but only Canelo understands what he could do inside that ring. And we know that he can fight men a lot bigger than him, and he could still carry that power. But to heavyweight, I think it's just a bad decision, a bad choice, a bad move. Uh, Usyk is is a terrible. That's career suicide, in my opinion. It's not career suicide. If he loses, he loses. It'll be a Mikey. It'll be a Mikey Garcia or Earl Spence type fight. Maybe that's that's or, or, or it'll be something like that where it's just he shouldn't have done Usyk, it. It was a bad decision. Three, you know. It was a bad decision. He shouldn't have done it. He bit off way more than he could chew. And and this is what we ask of of a great fighter. You got to take the other challenge. You got to take nah, the next step. Like you got to go to the next level. Don't act and like we force them. Don't we force them to have to go to heavyweight to have to. Nobody's forcing him to appease greatest like you. Don't no. Don't you don't slobber do knocker. He's the one. Stop, stop, stop saying slobber knocker. It's not. It's not about critics like me pushing him to heavyweight. He's already going to cruiserweight. So if he's already going to cruiserweight, maybe you go a few extra pounds more and you take on the heavyweight champion of the world in the most significant fight in Mexican boxing history. You agree with that? That would be the most significant fight in Mexican boxing history. Curiosity killed the cat. And in this case, curiosity will kill Canelo's career, in my opinion. All right, let's move on. Uh, On Saturday, Bud Crawford will take on the biggest challenge of his welterweight career when he takes on Sean Porter in the rare top-ranked PBC crossover. Uh, Bud Crawford is the favorite in this fight. Tell me, what kind of chance... Are you giving Sean Porter in this one? You talk about Sean Porter. You're talking about a man that's only lost to champions and by split decision, majority decision. Now, Cal Brook, I think it wasn't uh, it wasn't a close fight, but it was still a competitive fight, and it was early in his career. Anything or anyone that weighs 147 pounds, Sean Porter can beat 
or compete against, including Terrence Crawford, who is arguably the best fighter pound for pound in the world. And the reason he'll do it, not only because he has that manhandling style, but the switching back and forth from lefty to righty won't throw him off because Sean Porter does that. He does it in a wrestling fashion. Errol Spence said he struggled, well, not struggled, but he, he called him a, a, a street fighter. He yeah. called him a tough guy and a street fighter. That's what you need against a style like Bud Crawford. Whenever you have perfection, you, you beat it by being imperfect. You, know, you need imperfection to beat someone that's so just unflawed and clean and, and, and mean like Bud Crawford. So you need a, a tough guy, a wrestler, a mauler, a brawler. You need a Sean Porter. I think this is going to be just another one of these Sean Porter-type fights where he will hurt Crawford. He will get his respect. Crawford will probably win. But after the fight, Crawford, like Spence, will say, Man, that was a lot tougher, tougher than I thought. This guy is a real deal, and, and that's why Porter is always exciting to watch. Well, I think that's the key, right? Can Porter muck it up in the same way he did in the losses to Keith Thurman, to Errol Spence, and the same way he did in wins over what Danny Garcia, Danny Garcia. was a big one for him? Uh, can he make it the kind of wrestling match he needs it to be to win this fight? Or is Crawford so good and so technically proficient that he catches him on one of those those rushes. That's how, if I'm remembering correctly, that's how Spence, Spence caught him. Spence yeah, caught him, right? Right coming, hook, right check in. hook. Yep. And I think as good as Spence is, and he's great with the jab, uses his size. Crawford's faster, and I think Crawford's more explosive with some of these shots. So I think coming in, that's a big risk for Sean Porter. He's got to be real careful. He doesn't walk into a bomb. But if he's able to wrestle with Crawford and maybe tire him a little bit, he's going to be the physically bigger fighter uh, in the ring. He's a career welterweight, basically. I think he was at middleweight. He was a middleweight. Yeah, he fought a Danny guy. Jacobs in the amateurs. Yeah, big guy. And so, beat him, I think. So I, I think if he's able to do that, he's going to give himself half a chance. I just think Crawford's so good, man. Like, Crawford is so, so talented that as long as he hasn't lost a step, that what we saw against the likes of uh, Mean Machine, where he got dropped, even though it wasn't uh, called, um, if as long as he's at the peak of his power, I think he's going to catch Sean Porter with something big. I think this fight ends in a stoppage with Crawford winning. Can you really imagine anyone stopping a Mack truck, a Mack truck like Porter? I don't think anyone stops him he at one forty-seven. No one stops. No one stops uh, Sean Porter at one forty-seven, including Terrence Crawford, because Crawford's moving up in weight. If you look at them, I he, moved up in weight what three years ago, and Crawford was telling and me this Crawford's week. Crawford's not a big guy. He, he's he, not. He's, but he was he's telling, a thin, very strong fighter. But I mean, it, I, I seen him in person, right? And. He's more muscular than I thought. It's he, not the same, but you remember how Crawford won his title against Jeff Horn? Jeff Horn tried to make it a street fight, too. Crawford didn't have any of that. He was battering him around towards the end. Jeff Horn is no Sean Porter. He's not Porter. in Sean Porter's league. I get that, but he tried to make it physical. Jeff Horn successfully did that against Manny Pacquiao. Like, that's how he won his title over in Australia. He, he's been able to do it at a reasonably high level. Crawford's wouldn't let him. Crawford's too good. Too great. Choose your words right. right. You write one great. Okay. Bud Crawford is we're watching greatness. I mean, what he does is 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 so hard to do. And he said he does it so effortlessly. And the way they the way they've been letting him be himself, you know, just fight whatever style he wants from whatever position, whatever stance. He's a mean, mean fighter. And he can box and 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 sit back and pick you apart. Um, but Porter makes guys like that, you know look human so Sean Porter definitely has a chance to to muck this up like you would say but to win I think that's a little bit out of his reach we we know what Sean Porter is on the elite level with the Thurmans and the Spences and this is just another one of those fights so this is Crawford's last contracted fight with top rank if you were him 
what would you do? I already told you this on jabs on our show. Not I told you everybody listens to or they should watch it every Tuesday. Well, and listen, well, I, I'll repeat it. I'm going to I'm going to regurgitate exactly what I say on that show. I'm it's not sure if that's kind of the right word. But I'm not sure I if that was a word. It. It's not is. But I'm going to anyway. recant. No, no, that's not, not the word. That means see, you're throwing back. me off. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to repeat what I said on the show. Third time's the charm. Any great fighter, if you think all, all the great fighters in the past 20 years that have made the most amount of money have ventured off from being champions with a promoter to making their own promotional company. Golden Boy Promotions with Oscar De La Hoya. Mayweather Promotions with Floyd Mayweather. Cotto did it in his own fashion as well. I think that's what Bud Crawford needs to do. Well, Canelo, of course. Bud Promotions. That's what needs to happen when he becomes a free agent. But promotions in association with whatever promoter they're going to work with. And then that's how he makes the money he wants. That's how he still has the control and he still has the finger on the button. And that's how he gets paid and makes that pound for pound money that he's looking for. But promotions. And he's 34 years old. He's at that point where he should be doing that. He should be going fight by fight or no more than a two fight contract. Canelo Alvarez is proof that it works. And before that, Miguel Cotto did it successfully in the twilight of his career. A lot of fighters have done it. Not every, as many as they every should. Great fight, not, there haven't been many successful fighters that have well, done yeah, it. Guys I mean, cut. Sugar Ray Leonard tried promoting. I mean, so no, many, Sugar Ray Leonard actually was uh, smart Evander too. Holyfield Sugar, tried to promote. Sugar I mean, Ray Leonard. Roy Jones Jr. is a promoter, but yeah. successfully. Roy Jones Jr. for a while tied himself to HBO, and like you know, that's basically the same as tying yourself to a promoter. I think these fighters, the top ones, should be the, as free as they could possibly be. You know a young guy that's doing it that I love? Boots Ennis. Boots Ennis is not tied Smart. to anybody. Smart. And he's fighting regularly on Showtime. He's getting paid. He's rising the rankings, so he's going to get a title shot no matter what. Boots Ennis is, if he stays the course on this, is going to put himself in position where he can ping pong between Matchroom, Top Rank, PBC, mm-hmm. wherever those big fights are. It takes some balls to do that, Sergio, because there's guaranteed money you're leaving on the table when you don't sign with any, a, a any top great, promoter. Any great business decision ever made was scary. And that's how you that's how you you know maximize you know the money that's on the table by taking chances, take, taking risks. Any billionaire would tell you that you need risk and balls. Yeah, you, you would know. You come from from you know money. Okay. Once again, I don't come from money. privilege. Nine thousand time, I don't come from generational money. Boston money. <laughs> generational Boston wealth. Maybe you should have thought about that before you signed a rematch clause with Forrest. Okay, maybe that's what you should have hey. thought of. I'm incorporated. Latin Snake Promotions. That's my corporation. Great. You have any fighters? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's finish with Demetrius Andrade against Jason Quigley. You heard Sergio um, at the fighter meeting. Andrade, he blames everybody for his lack of, uh, of notable fights. He has been the middleweight champion for over three years now, and he has yet to have a signature fight. His last fight, a win over Liam Williams, was broadcast in the afternoon on Saturday. This coming fight against Jay Quigley, very good fighter, one loss on his resume, coming off the biggest win of his career over Shane Mosley Jr., but it's not the marquee fight against Gennady Golovkin, against Jamal Charlo, against Jaime Munguia. Why? Answer this question. Why has Demetrius Andrade had such a hard time getting fights? Because Demetrius Andrade is too damn good. He's too damn left-handed. He's too damn experienced. He's too damn disciplined. He's too damn skilled. Name one. But everything starts with too damn because he's that, he's that good. He's that avoided. Um, 
and he doesn't take chances. I mean, he's disciplined. He doesn't take chances, and he's a southpaw. So he'll pick you apart from that southpaw stance, and he won't. He 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 won't. He can knock you down. He can hurt you. But he he'll go after the knockdown for. I mean, the knockout for a little bit. If he doesn't get gets it, he goes back on the stick and gets back on cruise control. That's discipline. You might call it boring. And you know what? If you want the big fights, you're gonna have to get out of that element. So you know, I think he I think he realizes that now. But he puts it back on cruise control, and it takes so much discipline for a fighter who has a fighter down. He has a fighter hurt multiple times in the first two or three rounds for him not to go for the knockout because you don't get paid for overtime. You don't get paid for rounds. Get the job done and get out of here. And and that's how you get the big fights. But Andrade, he's already satisfied. He's already content with what he made of his career. He's in his 30s now. He's made he's made a lot of money, especially with Matchroom and especially with DAZN in the later part of his career. He's held down to that championship without beating any champions. Think about that. He's a world champion. He's defended it multiple times, but he hasn't faced one world champion. If you look at... If you ask any fighter, what do you want to be when? What do you want? What do you want to get out of boxing? Well, I want to become a champion. Check, Andre did it. What do you want to do? Well, I want to make millions of dollars. Check, Andre did it. Uh, what else do you want to do? Well, I want to fight the best. That is not checked on Andre's part. But other than that, he's having a hell of a career, and he's laughing all the way to the bank, and he's gonna go down as a two division champion, maybe even undefeated and unblemished. But it, bo- it But he's him. not gonna have that name on his resume, and, it, and, that, and bothers, that bothers every fighter. That, that bothers him because not for nothing, man. It's not for nothing. I'm not comparing myself to anybody, but shit, man. I got I got two Hall of Famers on my resume. I fought the great Shane Mosley and I fought the great Vernon Forrest. So not for nothing, you got people could, you know, look at my career. Oh, he's a pretender, he's a contender, he didn't hold on to the title long. Hey man, but I got some I got I went one and one and one with two Hall of Famers. So at least people are gonna associate me with a, a reality show and two great yeah. fighters. So that's what he's missing, that that association with a great fighter or with a great name. And we all need that B-side. He doesn't have it. Demetrius Andrade is one of the most avoided fighters in boxing history. And, and that might sound hyperbolic, but look at some of the other guys of this era that have been avoided. Arislandi Lara was avoided for a lot of years. Southpaw. But Lara got a fight with Canelo. That was a huge opportunity for him. Guillermo Rigondeaux. Southpaw. Avoided for a lot of years. But eventually, he got that huge showdown with Vasily Lomachenko. You can go back even further. Pernell Whitaker was a guy that was avoided by a lot of fighters over the years. Got his opportunity, though, against Oscar De La Hoya, among others. Demetrius Andrade has not gotten that opportunity. That, to me, is in some ways inexplainable. Because Andrade, while he is a southpaw and extremely talented, has a belt and he's got money behind him. You are going to make a career-high purse if you face Demetrius Andrade. Eddie Hearn allegedly made an offer to Jamal Charlo for $7 million to fight Demetrius Andrade, and he turned that down. That is wild to me. I can't fathom a fighter doing that when so much money and prestige is on the table. All that being said, Sergio. Career high purse having to deal with a Southpaw curse. Okay. but That's why these guys rather look in another, another direction because, I mean, outlaw should be banned or outlawed. That's what Mickey said Southpaw, from Rocky. Southpaw, Southpaw, Southpaw should be outlawed. 
And that holds true. That holds, I mean, that, that line was written in the 80s by Sylvester Stallone, and it still holds true now, especially South Paul's with an Olympic pedigree. Now, if Andrade fought like Rocky Balboa, you bet everyone would be running towards that belt, but he doesn't. Well, th- there's my, my follow-up here. Andrade has been his own worst enemy. If Andrade's fight against Walter Kautendakwa ends in the fourth round, it's a different story. If Andrade's fight against Maciek Seleski ends in the second round, which it could have, it's a different story. If Andrade's win over Luke, Luke Keeler, Keeler Liam ended Williams. in the first I round, it, but yeah. I'm just naming those three. Luke Keeler, Andrade had him down, what, like 15 seconds into the fight? If he had put Keeler down and out in the first round, it's a different story. You know why Gabe Rosado earned the fight with Jaime Munguia? Not because he beat Bektimir Malakuziev. Knockout of the year. He flattened him with a knockout of the year type of fight. Maybe there was a little bit of luck to that punch, but he knocked him out, and that's why he got the fight against Jaime Munguia. I know you agree with me that if if Andrade went for more knockouts and picked up more knockouts, we would be talking about a completely different career path. He would have gotten at least one or maybe more of the signature fights. I agree with for. you there, but I don't agree with you that, you know, uh, there's no luck in boxing. There's no lucky shots. Rosado timed that. I mean, there are lucky shots. That, no, I'm, there, I'm not no, there's it was not. luck. I'm no, not there's saying. not. And you know nothing about luck or fighting. But Andrade, on the other hand, he does know about boxing and he does know about being lucky because he's unblemished up to this career. He's been a U.S. Olympian. He's been a world champion in two divisions. So luck he's, making, that? he's making millions of dollars. And you know what? He's following the right game plan. No, he made his own luck. He made his own luck. And right now he's making his own decisions and they're just not going his way on the, on, on the elite level. Okay, so put, make yourself Andrade's manager here. Against Jason Quigley, what do you want to see him do? Walt Quigley has been stopped by a fighter that switches in Tyriano Johnson. I think he was, he was nailing him with, with overhand lefts and rights from a southpaw stance. We have a big, a bigger, taller southpaw, natural southpaw in Andrade who slings his shots as well. So I would say start fast like he normally does. And when, not if, when he catches Quigley and rocks him, go for the stoppage. Now, this is going to be... A, <laughs> a little bit dangerous because Quigley is an excellent, you know, an excellent uh, boxer puncher with heavy hands and amateur pedigree as well. So he'll love that opportunity to catch Andrade, you know, going for the finish. Just like Andy Lee, who's now in his corner, did when he uh, when when he uh, won the uh, championship or against Korobov. You know, he he rocked him when he got rocked. So yeah, anytime you're dealing with a fighter with a lot of experience and with power behind them, they have that lucky. Well, I'm sorry, not that See, lucky. See, you said it. That's the word you just You're used. You're lucky I said it. No, they have that one that one uh, bullet in the chamber. Yeah. I Look, if he comes out with the same success early on that he had against Kautendakwa and Keeler and Suletsky and several other fighters along the way, he's got to close the show. Like, he has got to make concerted effort. This has to be his statement. Because one thing that works for Andrade, I think, is that if Canelo is really serious about fighting at Cruiserweight, all of a sudden, all those guys that have been kind of waiting for that Canelo lottery ticket, they're looking for something else. You know, Golovkin, if he beats Barada, he's available. Jaime Munguia, going into 2022, he's available. And yes, Jamal Charlo, who <laughs> has become kind of the Gary Russell of middleweights, like fighting once a year, That's pretty good. Uh, he is available. And if, if Andre goes out and blasts out Jason Quigley, there is going to be momentum for him to get a big fight early in 2022. But if he winds up winning, Sergio, 
like 119-109 or 120-108, it's not going to help him. It's not going to help him get those fights that he wants. I know it's boxing, and Andre says all the time, like, are you going to come visit me in the hospital when you try to ask him about going and going for knockouts? But you can't get those big fights unless you go for knockouts. I'm going to make a prediction here, man. Okay. Judging. Now, we're just getting off the fighter meetings where he just – you know, shellacked you verbally in the fighter meeting. So I'm not denying that. So slap me around. Judging off that chip on the shoulder that we've seen in the fighter meetings, which we've never seen, and judging off the fact that he needs so much pressure, judging all that criticism and that even those memes they made of Canelo after he invaded the press conference, all that has been brewing inside of Android. And now that he's in his hometown, well, near his hometown with his hometown Home, fans. He's going to have six, 7,000 people here or more. Yeah, they'll be mostly Irish fans. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? A lot of people rooting against him, but whatever. He's going to have a lot of people cheering, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. He's going to go out of his element to try to stop a fighter that has only been stopped one time, and that's what I think is going to be his coming out party as the bad guy. We're going to see Boo Boo as the bad guy, not that likable, it's me again, and coming out being promoter and funny. We've seen a bad guy now. Today in the fighter meetings, we've seen Scarface, man. We've seen, hello, say hello to my, say hello to the bad guy. Come on. It's the last time you're going to see a bad guy like him again. And I think we've seen that metamorphosis. Ooh, I like that word. That transition into Boo Boo, the two-time champion and nice guy, clean cut, it's me again, to that, nah, fuck this. I, I, I want everybody, and I'm going to invade everyone's fighter meetings, and I'm going to start tonight near my hometown by taking care of this Quigley guy in spectacular fashion. If he's as angry at Quigley as he was at me earlier today, he's going to have a good night. That's for sure. Sergio, you go have a good night. Say hello to my little friend. When we come back, my conversation with Terrence Crawford. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right, you'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. Let me give you my best bet of the week. That is Demetrius Andrade stopping Jason Quigley. Andrade, not known for picking up knockouts, but I think he gets the job done, finishes Jason Quigley, picks up a knockout. Offers like this are just one of the many reasons I love betting on FanDuel. It is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, and there are fast payouts. The app, so easy. And when you win, you get paid in as little as two hours. With FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odd boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code BOXING. All right, Terrence Crawford is here. 147-pound title holder on November 20th. He will step in the ring against Sean Porter, defend his belt in uh, what many people see as uh, the biggest fight of Crawford's career at welterweight, at least maybe the biggest fight of his career to date. What, what do you think about that, bud? Is this the biggest fight of your career? Um, on paper, they're trying to make it seem like it's the biggest fight of my career, but I can't say it's the biggest fight of my career. Nothing's really on the line for me. Everything's on the line for him. So I really can't say this is the biggest fight of my career, no. You fought some 
really good guys at multiple weight classes from 135 pounds to becoming undisputed at 140. If not the biggest fight, do you look at Sean Porter as being your biggest challenge? Well, you can say that he, he opposes a lot of challenges uh, in the ring with his fighting style, uh, his speed, his uh, movement, you know, uh, his aggressiveness. So he he opposed a lot of challenges uh, in the ring. Yes, he do. You know, one of the things that was brought up a lot over the last year or so when it came to you and Sean Porter was that you probably wouldn't fight because you're friends. That was kind of a narrative that was out there. Um, how friendly are you with Sean Porter? How would you describe that relationship? Well, that relationship is on pause. It's on hold. So I'm not even thinking about that you know, type of relationship right now. That's the guy that I'm going to be facing come uh, November 20th next week. And, you know, uh, we're going to be trying to take each other heads off. Did that, over the last year or so, when this fight was brought up, did that give you reason for pause, though, to say, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. That guy is a friend of mine. No, not at all. You know, being that, you know, we're in the same weight class, you know, he's a top welterweight and I'm a top welterweight. You know, eventually, you know, you're going to have to face each other sooner or later if you both is successful and keep doing what you guys are doing. But at the time, you know, I, I told him I, I wasn't looking to fight him at the moment. Being that, you know, when he got a title, there was never no Sean Porter versus Chance Crawford. There wasn't even mentioning us two fighting each other, you know. So um, I kind of felt some type of way, you know. But now that, you know, he don't have a belt and he's he's – looking to be a title holder once again, you know, he's coming from my belt and, you know, that makes, that makes me, you know, a little fired up. How easy is it for you to just put feelings, as you said, on pause, to put a friendship on pause to prepare to go into to battle with a guy? Easy. You know, um, good friends, but once you're in the ring, you're not, you're not friends. You don't have any friends in the ring. It's just you and that person and the ref that's going to be in the ring come fight night. So uh, all the friend stuff goes out the window. Do you see it as being similar to what you saw in your own camp just a couple of weeks back with Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson being friendly but having to be rivals in the ring? For sure, for sure. You know, those guys, unlike me and Sean Porter, those guys sparred each other and whatnot before. They trained with with each other before you know, they ran with each other. So um, this is a different case. You know, me and Sean Porter never trained with each other except when we was amateurs. We never uh, sparred each other. So, you know, all we got is uh, memories when we was kids, but now we're adults and now we both in the same division. And now we're going to see, you know, who's the better man come fight night. You know, you've been, as I said, part of some big fights. This is probably the most... I mean, for, for, as a watcher of your career, Terrence, it's probably the most excited I've been since your 140 pound title pound, uh, 140 pound title undisputed unification fight. Like, do you do you feel that way at all when you know when you're facing a, a an opponent in a fight that there's probably more interest in than many, if not most, of your previous fights? No, no, I feel like this is a, a highly anticipated fight, being that you know you got two great fighters going head-to-head, -head. neither one of them scared of anybody. And, you know, Sean Porter brings it uh, each and every time he steps foot in the ring. 
and so do I. And everybody want to see how I'm going to react and how I'm going to fare against one of the um, other top uh, welterweights in the division. So, you know, it's a lot of talk going on about how uh, how uh, Terrence is going to look, how Terrence is going to react towards Sean aggressiveness and how, you know, strong Sean is and how hard Sean punch. And, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked. And, you know, come fight night, all the questions will be answered. How do you think you're going to fare against that style? I think I'm going to do good. I, like I always say, I'm I'm adaptable to any style. You know, I feel like Sean Porter, you know, he's a tremendous talent, you know, and whatnot. But I just think I'm just a better all-around fighter. You know, everything that he, he can does, I can do too, you know. But I don't think he can do everything that I can do. You know, I think I'm a better, smarter, you know, uh, fighter at the end of the day. He has a way, and it's his style, as you've seen, to, to make it physical in there in the ring. Like, he is coming at you. He'll wrestle with you. He'll brawl with you. Um, have you faced that type of style before, and what's the key to kind of handling that type of opponent? Well, listen, you know, Jeff Horn was a rough, rugged fighter. You know, uh, Ray Beltran was a rough, rugged fighter. You know, Felix Diaz was a rough, rugged fighter. So, of course, you know, John Molina, you know, so – being in the ring with those type of fighters, I didn't seen it all before. You know, Sean might have a little more of this or a little more of that, you know, but it's nothing that I haven't seen before. This is a cross-promotional fight. Sean Porter affiliated with PBC, you, of course, with top rank. Did you think the day would come when we'd see that happen for you where you get a cross-promotion against the top welterweight? Well... It's not a cross promotion, you know. This is a fairly, you know, one promote promoter promoting our fight, and that's ESPN top rank. You know, I don't know if those two could have came together like they did with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury and made the fight a cross promotion. But then that, you know, the WBO has demanded the fight. You know, I think you know that was the best thing. Uh, that could have happened. Yeah, how did you feel about that, Terrence? Like the WBO stepping in and mandating that this fight happen? Well, at, at first I was just like, okay, you know what I mean? I'm I'm with whatever, you know, but then, you know, with the 60-40 uh, split, you know, I was like, okay, you know what I mean? That I probably got the bad shake of, of that deal, being that, you know, the numbers, you know, don't add up. But it is what it is. You know, we're here now, and, you know, uh, we both making a lot of money, and we're going to put on a great show come November 20th. Do you feel like or do you hope this is the first of many – maybe you're right, it's not a cross-promotion necessarily, but the first of many fights where you fight some of the guys that everybody wants to see you fight? Yeah, for sure. You know, this is, this is the stepping stone. And, you know, this is what everybody been waiting on. And this is what everybody been calling for. And so have I, you know, I particularly probably haven't been calling for Sean Porter in direct, but all the other guys in PBC, I've been calling for him. And, you know, this is the start of, you know, a bright uh, end of their career. 
It's been widely reported, Terrence, that this is the last fight of your top-ranked contract. What do you think your future is in 2022? Well, my future is bright, like I always said. You know, I'm not thinking about, you know, too much of anything right now, but Sean Porter, you know, he's my top priority. That's on my mind, and everything else can wait till after this, this fight. Do you feel like you can get what you want under your current circumstances? Like I said, you know, this is this is something that we're going to discuss after the fight. And, you know, we're going to map everything out and see what's best for Terrence Crawford. So last question for you. Um, how obnoxious is Bo Mack going to be at the weigh-in for this fight? What, what are we going to hear from him yelling in the corner at Sean Porter in this fight? I don't know. You know, Bo, Bo Mack is <laughs> Bo Mack. You know, he's unpredict, unpredictable. He might yell out something. He might not. You know, we got to watch and see. It's kind of weird watching him yell at Shakur Stevenson, given how much he likes Shakur Stevenson. That was a weird That was a weird situation there. Hey, you know, it is what it is. It's a job to, you know, train Jamel to the best of Jamel's ability and, you know, see if he can get that victory. You're a guy that's moved up in weight several times. What did you think of Shakur at 130? I know you and him are, have a good relationship as well. Well, it's nothing that I wasn't telling everybody about Shakur in the, in the past. You know, like I t- told everybody, you know, he's going to be the next superstar in boxing. Um, I don't see nobody beating him right now. I thought he filled out really well he I mean that happens of course and it's happened with you as well but like going up and wait he looks stronger than he did at 126 yeah for sure for sure you know um and and he's capable of going up to 135 and 140 as well yeah that'd be fun to see a lot of good fights for him at both those weight classes Terrence good to talk to you man we will see you on the 20th in a, in a huge fight against Sean Porter you can catch on ESPN pay-per-view thanks for joining me man thanks for having me I appreciate it That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Terrence Croft for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And we will see you late Saturday for a special edition of the podcast after the Crawford-Porter fight. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.